There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. Welcome back to the Dr. Light Show. My name is Josh here with GM Price. Hope everybody Hello. is doing well out there, getting ready for the uh, for the weekend. Yeah, bruh. And what's Cinco de Mayo? So a reason for everybody to go do a bunch of tequila drinking tonight. Mexican so, Independence Day. Yeah, Yay. so Cinco, Cinco de Mayo yesterday was May the 4th be with you. And... Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. It's been a nice few days here in, in Minnesota, and uh, mm-hmm. the weekend comes, and all of a sudden, it's clouds move in, the temperature drops, and it's gonna <laughs> rain. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you can't win with this state. Thanks, you? Obama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, for Biden. <laughs> well, it can't always be great, Josh. Oh, now nah, well, it's all it right. Actually, you know, it actually can. Have you ever been to San Diego? <laughs> like, it's always great. <laughs> it's like yeah. a few days a year where it's not, but you're usually. I think not some there. other people figure that out. That's why there's like a bazillion people there. So, probably like, hey, probably. it's really great here. Uh, let's all move, and then they raise the taxes. Oh, it sucks here. I gotta leave. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's hey, you know, the geoengineering stuff. It obviously isn't working out well. Geoengineering. I don't think they're gonna win. What's that. Yeah, it's spraying and altering our atmosphere to the change the climate and the cloud flow and the winds and the directions what? and yeah. What? <sighs> and then they started using Doppler radars to go ahead and uh, do uh, cloud seeding and all that other stuff. Y- are you talking about this high frequency high frequency active auroral research program that the federal government started back in the fifties and the sixties? Hmm. And there's photographic evidence and documents and uh, all this other stuff to back it up. You mean that? Oh, sure. Yeah, the the, the yeah. ionospheric research instrument, the IRI. You know, you know what this thing actually does. I mean, have you ever? There's various locations around the planet, but, but do you know right. what HARP actually does? Do you know how it works? Uh, I HARP itself is. There's nothing that has come out of HARP or around the HARP conversation that I have been impressed with. Because that is, is, can I just start with that, and then everything after that, you can tell us all about the stuff that Har, Dar, uh, Harp, <laughs> DARPA Harp, uh, Harp and DARPA. Uh, that's like a disease or something. Do you get the DARPA Harpa? Um, anyway, um, but no, everything they've done is just about manipulation of us. Stop! 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 Why? Anyway, I asked well, the same question. Why, so- do, why do the people want to destroy us? So people people put a lot of information out there, conspiracy theory wise, about harp and all these things that it's being utilized to manipulate the weather and 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 such. Um, well, yeah, that that's really why they built it. They actually built it as a a weapon against the Soviets. So what they were doing is they were utilizing very low wavelengths, and so they're using right. like two, three, four hertz waves. And they mm-hmm. shoot them up into the ionosphere, the ionosphere, right? <laughs> and so the ionosphere is actually um, electromagnetically charged uh, at part of our of our atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it has a very uh, a balance to it. It has a variance within balance of electrical conductivity that occurs within the ionosphere. And one thing they noticed, and they noticed this because of a guy by the name of Nikola Tesla, so. Right. 
um, Nikola Tesla realized that during thunderstorms and lightning storms and, and, and various other weathers that he would see, he would notice an increase within surface level, level um, static energy. And so mm-hmm. typically what you have is you have high and low pressure systems, right? And so right. basically think about it as hot and cold, moisture and no moisture. So what happens is when a storm rolls in, usually what it does is it sucks up all the energy below and pulls it upwards. This is why you have wind, and this is why it gets really cold right before a storm hits, because all that hot air is being pulled up to the storm front. And it actually produces a level of capacitance between the lower atmosphere and the above uh, cloud cover. And so this capacitance is where you have positive and negative charges that build up. And this produces a barrier to where that water becomes electrically uh, charged and kind of connected together within the clouds until eventually that capacitance is broke and it begins to thunder, lightning, and and rain starts dropping down. Um, But what Nikola Tesla realized is that there was fluctuations within surface level Um, electrostatic fields. And so he started wondering, like, okay, well, how is this all working? Well, then Mm -hmm. he realized that by sending electromagnetic waves into the atmosphere, that there was a charge potential in our atmosphere, that our atmosphere had electrical conductivity. Um, This is later verified and actually shown to have a frequency to it. And this is known as the Schumann's resonance, that the Schumann's resonance is actually a frequency that's generated between the ionosphere and the surface of the earth at about approximately 7.85 hertz to 14.85 hertz and it can go all the way up to 100 hertz to 200 hertz it can go all over the place depending upon the variance um, and the weather patterns that are coming about so they thought that maybe originally that the ionosphere was affected by weather on the surface level but what tesla realized it was the opposite way around is that when you have cosmic bombardment of particles from the outer solar system, um, or if you have massive increases in solar radiation due to the solar maximums and solar minimums, that this would affect the ionosphere and basically produce charge conductivity. This charge conductivity would then be distributed among the ionosphere. And so it would increase the charge potential of the ionosphere. But with the ionosphere Mm -hmm. is it looks at places where it can discharge that to the surface. And so what would happen is it would basically produce like a uh, a avoidance of charge in one area to where the surface level would begin picking the charge up from the surface. And this is what would produce weather patterns. I know it's a little complex, but you have to go through this whole thing to understand what's happening. Um, So Tesla realized this, and this is actually how he was transmitting uh, electricity wirelessly, is by basically throwing a minute amount into the ionosphere and and transferring it around the planet and then pulling that frequency out. Um, So when they developed HARP, what their objective was was to take these um, extremely low frequencies, ELF waves, and shoot them up into the ionosphere in the various different parts to see if they could produce variants that would basically mimic weather patterns. And it worked. (laughs) It, It worked, but they needed a lot of energy to do it. And so they started building more and more facilities around the world. And what they realized is that if you have a certain pattern of frequency that's injected into the ionosphere for a certain duration of time, that that would produce a weather pattern at point A somewhere on the world. 
But then they also realized that if you went in at the surface level and you produced a, um, a condition on the surface, that that surface condition could also prompt that weather. Then they realized if you produced a surface condition and then added the extra energy to the electromagnetic variance in the ionosphere, you could have massive types of storms and weather that's created, like tornadoes and hurricanes and floods. Oh, my. And right. that's what HARP is, and that's how it's used today for weather manipulation and weather warfare. Yeah. Ta-da! Well, does this go back to the, the Turkey earthquakes and all that stuff, too, where the, where Turkey was not willing to go into Ukraine and wasn't wanting to participate, and then all of a sudden, boom, we see the big blue light, and then the earth starts opening up through earthquakes in Turkey? So, yeah, there were some interesting um, things that came out. Do you remember when there's that, I forget the name of the island now. A few years back, there's this island that sits off the coast of, uh, of Africa, and mm-hmm. uh Structurally, it, it's ready to fall into the ocean. Right. And the reason is is because it's gone through so many earthquakes and so on and so forth and has a volcano on there. And there was worry that it would fall fall into the ocean because this, this island is ready to break apart. And if it did, right. it would produce a 100-foot tidal wave that would hit the east coast of the United States and completely decimate and destroy it. Actually, right. a lot of the early remote viewers um, from the 1990s coming out of the uh, Operation Stargate from the U.S. Army's uh, remote viewing programs, one thing that they saw was a massive cataclysmic event that occurs on the East Coast being hit by a 100-foot tidal wave. Lynn Buchanan, one of those gentlemen, is one of my good friends. Um, this is one thing that he viewed as a remote viewer in 1998 and did it for a classified special report for some unknown intelligence agency, three-letter agency. And he still has a right. report today to show this to show this as verifiable. Right. So, one second. <laughs> you got an audience, huh? Well, this whole thing is is actually one of the problems that we have is that our, our government has been doing things, and initially they were intended, there was an intention, right? Let, let's say like the internet. You know, the internet initially was uh, two different colleges wanting to send documentation back and forth at basically, you know, quote unquote light speed. But now look what the internet's turned into. Yeah, it's turned into a platform for us to be able to talk and do a lot of great things. But at the same time, there's a lot of porn. There's a lot of, uh, you know, trafficking of items. There's trafficking of humans. There's all this stuff that's out there as well. So there's everything that was started out initially good. Well, now we have this whole other, you know, this whole other world of saying, oh, by the way, we were going to do this thing to stop these people from being able to attack us and manipulate their weather. But, hey, what if we did it to ourselves? What if we destroyed ourselves? <laughs> like, Well, Jim, anyway, you, you, you mentioned something interesting there. You mentioned the Internet. Now, you, right. you were saying earlier, you are saying HARP and DARPA, and right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the Internet's actually called ARPANET because it was developed really? by DARPA. Hmm. The Internet was created by DARPA. Really? Yes, go look, Google it right now. Google it. Telling you, internet was created by was it? It was not Al Gore. Internet. Oh, I know that. I know Al Gore is. Okay, so uh, going back to the earthquake thing, um, one thing that we started seeing in 2020 and 2021 on this island was interesting patterns of seismic activity, and it was almost like there was a a continuous Mm -hmm. beams of electromagnetic energy that were being focused to the center of the island near the volcano that were resonating the um the core the the, basically the crust underneath 
and you can actually see these with the various different earthquakes that we we're we're seeing. Um, and so I'll talk about that in a second, how they can actually create earthquakes. We'll be right back with more dark lights right for this. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. Secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900, or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. Hey, Cinco! <laughs> We're going to get in trouble now. Oh, we are. We are. <laughs> well, there goes that listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so, yeah, going back to the uh, earthquake thing. Welcome back to the Dark Delight show, by the way. Uh, going back Welcome to the back. earthquake thing. So, what they do is they use... Um, Rotating pulses. So basically think about pulsed pulsed electromagnetic energy, extremely low frequency that can go really deep into the Earth's crust. And right. they produce kind of like this rhythm back and forth at various points. And what that does is begin to uh, vibrate, oscillate the, uh, the fault line. And so if it's oscillating the fault line, causing it to just move millimeters, right, and you have two sides of a fault that are, are, are oscillating, this will eventually move to um, seismic activity. So that, that's kind of how they do it. And they can do this with satellites, and actually relatively easy. I mean, you could, you could quite literally generate um, 
uh, a machine yourself. You could build it if you had a, a large enough energy source to go out there and, and do this. It, it's not really difficult to probably produce an earthquake. Nikola Tesla, did you know, um, he once was showing off of his technology in um, New York City. And he went out there and he took what he calls his earthquake machine. And all it was was a little device about the size of your hand. And he would put it onto the side of a building. And he would ring it. Bing! And within a few minutes, the whole building would be shaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's huge reports on this. There's news articles and everything out there. And it was basically the size of like a small thermos. It wasn't something that was, you know, took up square miles of, you know, infrastructure. This was something that, and this is that resonance thing. You know, you talk about the Schumer resonance. You're talking about frequency-based stuff. We're talking about energy. Uh, what did I say? Schumer. It's Schumer. the Chuck Schumer resonance. <laughs> that guy. Oh, you know. Uh, yeah, you just make it up as you go along, right? Uh, at least I do. I don't. But, you know, there's all these different things, and all this is is, uh, like, like I talked about, uh, I was talking about on another show just the other day, you know, bees actually harmonize their wings to a frequency that gets rid of bacteria and allergies inside of the honeycomb and actually creates the honeycomb shape as well. They vibrate in a certain pattern, but also when they go to lift off, they do the same thing. They're actually basically doing anti-gravity frequency modulation to fly. So, and, yes, so, so and, and one thing is... The bees' wings—they're oscillating. They're—they're they're vibrating at very high rates. They're actually not flapping. And, right. And this is one thing that they realized, and they produce—they um, produce manipulations in the electrostatic field. Uh, I, I've known this for a long time. So, um, flies do a relatively uh, a similar way of how they fly. Um, kind of. One day I was uh, well. I guess I can say it here. I was uh, under the influence of some psychotropic, psychoactive drugs called LSD one time, and I was watching uh, flies. I was <laughs> really young. I was really young, and I don't. I know that sounds horrible, but I was not right. in the military, and I was not an adult. Um, but I was watching this fly fly around the house, right. and I started seeing like static everywhere, like like static electricity, like the snow from the TV. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing that the fly was moving through this static field, but it was taking the path of least resistance in the sense of the built-up static charge in the room. And so wow. I started predicting the pattern of which the fly would fly, mm-hmm. and it, I, I can catch flies now anytime I want. Like, I see a fly wow. in a house, anything like that, I can catch it with my hand. The reason is, is because I can I can see its pattern. I can know its pattern. Not by that I can see electromagnetic fields. But I, I watch its pattern, and I predict where the next path of least resistance is in, or I mimic its last path, because typically the last path is going to still be the path of least resistance, and you can catch a fly. And they become very, very um, unpatternized in that way. But they move basically by manipulation in the electrostatic field. And this comes through the oscillation of their wings um, oscillating back and forth that produces a slight static charge that basically lifts them up off the ground and and floats them or moves them within the electromagnetic field, the electrostatic field uh, at the surface level of the planet. Right. Well, and that's – and so think about how great that is and the idea that – we can actually discover this if we – and what's the biggest thing we got to do? Slow down and observe, right? I mean, we can go back to the two-slit experiment. We can go back to other things, but things exist Double, because we slit. observe them. 
They say, what, I, what is it with you correcting me today? I, that's it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not coming, I'm not coming back again. You know, that's it. I'm out of here. No, so you want to know something interesting about bees? What? Is Go ahead. They, they found this from beekeepers. Um, right. That typically beekeepers live very, very long lives, and they have certain benefits of longevity that's found not only in the bee's sting and the bee's venom, but also mm-hmm. by the harmonic resonance that is created by the bees moving um, in syncopation as a flock. And so beekeepers, um, some of them will actually put the bee's hive above their head, uh, above their bed and sleep underneath it. Because like you were saying, is it produces this resonant field to where this resonant field becomes incredibly healing to your body. It, It allows your body to basically become efficient and optimized. Well, there's actually even a therapy now that people are taking and they're breathing hive air. And because of the air inside of the hive is actually uh, being matched with their frequency, right? They're creating this real harmonic effect inside there, which allows them to purify the hive. People are actually taking uh, like a respirator mask, like you'd get over, you know, the nose covered uh, respirator mask putting a tube into the actual hive and then breathing the air out of the hive. And it caught, there's all kinds of, they're showing all kinds of medical benefits and things that people are getting from that. Wow. You, Talk about a business idea. Go out there, <laughs> capture some air in a jar, $27 yeah. on Amazon, beer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing what we actually have around us that does heal us. It has nothing to do with government chemicals or going to a pharmacy for it, right? And I, I, I keep bees, and they, they really – you have to – okay, here's the thing. If you go out to a beehive and you're all wound up, you're like, oh, I'm going to die. They're going to sting me. And you're all freaked out, the bees are going to freak out. Yep. Yeah. You will be a victim. But if you go out there and you just you just breathe, close your mouth, breathe through your nose, take your time, stand. You know, If you have to go up and stand within 15 feet of the hive, stand there until that's over. And then take another two steps forward or three steps forward, stand there until that moment is over. And then what you'll notice is you should, if you just listen to the bees' wings themselves, the resonance, that the, the sound, because they get all – when they're mad, it's more of a eat. They're really – like they're not happy. They're telling you. But you can hear if it's just a – you can tell when they're cool. And even when you open up the lid on the box and you do all – you move the racks around and the frames around and all that stuff in there, they, they're cool with you until they're not. And usually that's because your mood has changed. And you have to you have to kind of come into it right. If you come in all you know, I'm mad and why the world sucks and burka burka burka, you go in there and they're going to let you know what sucks. Um, they're going to find ways into your bee suit that you never thought existed. And you know, the, the, some of them, you know, yeah, some of them just get crosswise. They want to be angry that day. But uh, no, bees are really cool. They have a that, but that's part of that resonance fe- effect that they they probably researched this through DARPA and HARP and. All this other stuff uh, to find out this these things, but yeah, bees aerodynamically cannot fly. There's no purpose for them to be able to fly the way we think of aerodynamics with low and high pressure over wings. Um, so it's neat. They're, they're, they've got a lot of benefits to them. And by the way, honey never goes bad. A, a bee only produces one teaspoon of honey in its entire life, um, and they live different lives as they their life goes by. They have different jobs or different responsibilities inside the hive. And uh, 
that's why everybody has a job. They know what they do. They get up. They do their thing. And it's a neat little process. And it's fun to keep them. There's no it's not a hard hobby to get into. Beehive. It's not a hard be- hobby to get into. People can have beehives. In fact, a lot of cities will promote putting beehives in backyards uh, because, you know, get two or three be- beehives, set them up, go to Atwood's. Atwood's got, has great beehive equipment there. And uh, order up a couple nukes. They're called nukes. N-U-C-S. So Miriam was telling what? me about this. There's, there's a, a company out there, and you can actually buy. Uh, it's like a thousand bucks for their starter kit, but it's like right. um, it, it's like a, a an idiot's guide to beekeeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. There's uh, there yeah, is. You, you can buy them. You can in, in, you can order the the bees and have them delivered and all that stuff. And it's actually yeah. really cool. If if, if I actually. Um, when I buy some land here, um, one of the first things I'm going to do is uh, put some hives on there. Right. Oh, yeah. If you put in bees, like beekeeping in Facebook or whatever, you're going to find a bunch of local groups around where you're at. And if anything, just go and hang out with them. You don't have to have bees to hang out with bee people. They, they'll let you come out and, and uh, check on the hives with them and stuff. But learn it. There's a lot of cool stuff about it. Don't hesitate. All right. We'll be right back with the Dark Delight Show right for this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back with Dark Delight Show. And we're just talking, uh, we're talking some interesting things today. I don't know. It's a a fun conversation. Started out with harp and weather manipulation, moved on to the earthquake machine, and now we're we're back on bees and talking about various different types of bees. (laughs) I got one in my ear. Oh, it sounds like it, man. Don't, um, I tell you what, there is... When you get them inside your uh, your head, the net, you know that you have on your head. When there's one inside there with you, I I know that I've been stung by bees a lot, and I can't remember how many times or where. I mean, I've gotten hit in the face and different things like that. And this, <laughs> there is a certain level of it just does freak you out when there's a there's a bee inside of your hood <laughs> with you. <laughs> it's like whoa. You know, but you know, you survive. You know, it did. You did. You die? No, you didn't die. Did it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. And by the way, you can unscrew a bee's sting. A bee sting. If you take the bee and you rotate the bee, pushing it around counterclockwise, if it stings you where you can see it, and you just take the kind of the body and kind of push it around gently and move it backwards in a counterclockwise, the stinger will come out of your arm and it will not hurt as bad. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of little things about bees that are cool. Uh, we were just talking go ahead, we were talking off air that I said, uh, you know, I you know, I had up to twenty five hives there for a while and you know, it's it's uh when you go out there and you got a full thriving hive and all of a sudden you go out there one day and it's just empty. You're like, Whoa, what I raised the rent? Like where <laughs> where'd you guys go? Like, hello. We don't and like uh, you Jim are keeping anymore. bugs. <laughs> yeah, you you are keeping bugs. So they uh, they, the queen decides that she doesn't like the rent. She doesn't like the neighbors. She just gets up and leaves, and there's really like nothing you could do about it. Now, if you get really good about cloning, or not cloning, but uh, raising queens and then splitting hives, you can stay ahead of any loss you might have. Uh, and that's a whole process, too, to learn that, is that is you, you can rear up a queen and uh, create a whole new hive, and, and sh- you know they, they take over, and it's really cool so, how it all works. Go ahead. You know what's crazy about bees and that whole idea right there? 
What's is that? that when a hive loses the queen for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right. is that all the bees will buzz together and one of them will transform, become yep. trans, and become a queen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's the usually a couple of queens in waiting. Uh, they're not allowed to be queen as long as she is the dominant pheromone in the what they, just like okay the reason your armpits pits smell is because of pheromones uh you know the your body releases certain chemicals the same Dude, thing with the bee a queen nasty. bee <laughs> that's this that's what that's what your smell like you know that's what that makes the girls like you buddy um <laughs> but uh, that's that goes back to a uh, okay so real quick on the hormones uh whatever the pheromone of the queen is is what everybody's attracted to so that's what they support and do and if her pheromone dies or leaves then it freaks them out, and they have to find a new one, and then they raise up one of the queens in waiting. Um, but did you, did you look into the research, or did you hear about the research about women being on birth control and their their uh, sense of smell? No. Did you hear about this one? Okay, so there was a there was a, a, an a entire scientific process put together. They brought these women in, and uh, they said, "Okay, have these men wear these white T-shirts for two weeks." Uh, they, you know, obviously, you know, they don't shower, you know, they're just getting these, these shirts really good and smelly, right? Well, what they found is the genetic coding between the people that went and so the women had to smell each bag, like which one, what do you, are you attracted to this, this person or not? And everyone that they were directly attracted to, that was the opposite genetic coding of their, um, allergies, uh, genetic coding of, you know, certain types of other issues, right? Uh, and so they they were genetically picking through pheromones the exact opposite of them so their children would be a better version of them. And so, but what they found was there's this anomaly in this whole test. And this test they were going through and they're like, well, this is really weird. Like this person's picking somebody that's almost like identical to them. And so they went back and they, they double-checked what the differences was in this entire group. And they found out the women that were really erratic with their who they liked were on birth control. Their estrogen levels were modified. And so what now they correlated that back to when women are dating men and they're on the, on the pill and they really like this person and they go off the pill to, to then have children, suddenly they hate the man they're with. They can't stand them. They don't want to be around them. They disgust them. And so right after the first kid, you're seeing this huge uptick of children or divorces because the women come off of birth control and they suddenly realize that genetically they don't like that individual they're with. And this is – they went back and tried to refute this and tear this apart, but they have found that that we are genetically drawn to – the pheromones of each other as well. So we're not any much different than the animal. We, you know, we are. We, we're not much different than the animal kingdom uh, and the insect kingdom as well as with pheromones and what they really mean to us. But with the estrogen-based um, uh, birth birth control stuff that you know puts women's estrogens off balance. Like I said, when they fall off of that, suddenly their male preferences change. Wow, you're probably answering a lot of questions for a lot of. Uh of of husbands out there right now that are sitting there going, mm-hmm. I don't understand, man. I don't know what happened. We were the now, it. She loved me, and then we had a kid. Now she hates me. It must be the kid, and it's not. It was those chemicals she was on before. Crazy. <sighs> crazy. And then every time they go back onto the chemical, it changes the chemical makeup of the woman, so their preferences change every time they start and restart birth control. So, so hey, you want to throw a wrench in the monkey works? <laughs> Mention the monkey works, yeah, and, and, that, and that's crazy as well because we we have a very um, 
developed um, olfactory uh, sense mechanism, your nose and, and how your nose and that sense actually operates. It's, it's really well developed. But people, you know, they say, well, because we're civilized, we don't use it so much anymore. Actually, we do. We use it more than people think. Oh, yeah. And I think that, like, uh, there's a lot of senses that were lost when we became kind of what we say civilized. And one right. of those is the utilization of the sense of smell. Now, there's a uh, phenomena that happens to a very rare, small percentage of the population called sensasasia. You ever heard of this? Sensasasia? No. Uh-uh. Yes. So, so basically, you smell colors or you smell sounds. You hear, Man, I'm so high, you, you I can hear, smell colors and I can see sounds. Yeah, no, it, it's actually a real thing. You can you oh. can you can hear um, you can hear tastes. It, it's right. it's weird, but kids normally have this um, present within them. But right. what it is is really, I think it's just the, the frequency that resonates with that thing is uh, attributed to all your sense organs, and so that right. can kind of give you that. But with pheromones, I, I think that this is incredibly interesting because. You know, human beings, we, we don't think in the sense that we're giving off these pheromones uh, of such, mm-hmm. right? But yet, right. what are perfumes? Yeah. I mean, a billion-dollar industry that makes you smell different? Did you Why know is there that smells uh, and- 98% of a, a perfume is the most obnoxious and horrible-smelling things you could ever imagine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of it's glands from animals. Yeah. <laughs> They scent glands from animals. They put that in a lot of the perfumes. Uh, and the eau de toilette. What's the difference between a perfume and eau de toilette? What's the difference? Is there, um, I don't, I've never understood that. One is from the toilet? That's <laughs> the cheapy stuff the that they make. Eau de right. toilette. Hey, and- hey, man, I got a guy. He's got some cologne. You want it? <laughs> that kind of eau de toilette. <laughs> well, but My so- buddy. You know, going back into it in the sense of smell yeah. is that I, I, what I like to do, I like to do challenges to myself sometimes. So if I have uh, something I want to work on or develop in my life, what I'll do is I will try to work on that, like senses. So um, when I meditate, if I if I take some time to sit down and meditate, I typically put um, hearing muffs on. So I put my shooting muffs on so I can't hear mm-hmm. anything. It drowns out all the sound. And I'll put right. something over my eyes so I reduce my senses. Right? But if you wanted right. to like increase one sense, sense organ, like your nose, that's what you'd have to do is you'd have to decrease the other two senses because it amplifies that one. Um, Did and, you and ever I, do that close your eyes and walk around your house when you were a kid? See many um, things you banged into? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I still do it today. Okay. It's called whiskey. <laughs> I'm never growing up. <laughs> yeah, I do it today. It's called whiskey. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, that's uh, but there's so much about us that we we think we're so elevated, but in reality, I don't think elevation of you know being prim and proper with you know with what we have with clothes and vehicles and houses. I think we've lost what real connection to the world is around us, and that is what you said: sense of smell. Sense of touch. I mean, just listening to the environment around you, the world around you. And, and a lot of people give me, you know, they give me guff about my long hair, but I'm going to tell you right now, there is a difference. The longer your hair is, there is a difference in how you perceive the world around you and how it, things actually interact with you. And I think it's because we ha- there's a nerve ending on the end of every hair on your body, 
And there's a muscle attached to every single hair on your body. And so you don't think that those somehow have senses or ability. I mean, look at fiber optic. Think about all your hair follicles on your body as being fiber optic. And what does fiber optic do but communicate? It communicates at light speed around you. Why would your hair? Why is your hair any different than that? Hmm. Oh, you're going to have to get into this one. I, I want to hear about <laughs> this. This is what we call, with Jim, this is what we call the the Highlander theory. There could be only one. <laughs> well, I'm okay with that. As long as I win, I get to carry a double-edged sword and, you know, yeah, let's do this. Leather well, no, band. I, like and the- I think there really is something about um, the hair and how the hair. So, so like cat whiskers, for instance. Um, right. These actually pick up changes within the electrostatic field that's external to them. So if they're sitting in a field, right, their whiskers are actually kind of resonating with the electrostatic field. And so if a rabbit or a mouse is moving, that produces perturbations within that field, movements in that field, and they can detect that with their whiskers. Yep. And that's how they'll know where it is. So uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll be right back. (laughs) I knew he was going to play this one. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. Secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900, or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. 
Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. Oh, there we go. That was the one I was thinking of. All right, we are back with the Dark Delight show. And we're talking about hair. We're talking about hair. hair. We're talking yep. about hair. Yeah. Well, there was, no, there was a whole thing. Okay, uh, remember the Code Talkers when they had the Navajo going in and doing Code yeah, Talking yeah. and scouting and stuff like that? Well, they had done this whole thing like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to do these guys. And, and uh, so they put them into boot camp. And they what do they do in boot camp? They immediately shave the heads of everybody's individuality to create the soldier, right, the the team effect. And I understand the psychological effect of shaving the head and what it does, and it actually dumbs down the individual. If you've ever seen someone drastically change their hair like Britney Spears where she went in and shaved her hair one day, that's a mental break. That's a sign of mental distress. People that go in and suddenly change their hair exponentially, uh, not just a cut, you know, like they color change or they cropped it up a little bit or they did a style change, but I mean literally like shave their head one day. You need to sit down with that individual, and you need to talk to them and see what's really going on. But anyway, going back to the original part of this, the, the military brings these guys in, and they're like, all right, man, you know, cool, you got through basic training, we're going to send you to your – we're going to have you work with these guys. These guys are going to be your liaisons in the field. You're going to tell them what you're seeing and how you're doing this, and they're going to send it back to command. It's going to be great. And so they started going out and doing this, this testing and training with the new partnership between – you know the the Navajos and stuff, and and I'm paraphrasing, guys. I'm just not I'm not getting it at all exact. But the idea is, they set these guys on like, hey, go do your job. And they're like, do what? Well, go out there and find the mines, or find this, or find that, or whatever it was, whatever they were tasking them to do. And I'm again, I'm paraphrasing, and they're like, yeah, whatever. What it was is they then researched and tried to figure out why it was these guys lost their ability to really sense the world around them, and the only thing they could correlate that to was the loss of their hair. And so basically kind of like the Samson story where he was able to, you know, even though they plucked his eyes out, but he was able to, you know, sense the world around him and collapse the column that killed the most Philistines uh, in the Bible because he was able to, you know, his hair regrew, right? He was able to sense the world around him. Well, what the military did was they did a whole research on this of what hair connection to the world really is. And it's absolutely, it's a, it's another sense and we don't pay attention to it in that way, but it, it creates a, a sense around you where it, we call it an aura or energy field. Or physicists talk about the three-foot energy field that's around you that your body emanates. That's why we always talked about in the COVID, vac, uh, the COVID lockdowns and stuff, everybody was supposed to be six feet away. Well, psychologically, they have proven that if you are more than – if you are six feet or more away from the person you're talking to, you will tend not to believe them. And it's because your energy doesn't connect with them. And when you get closer to each other, the closer you are, your energy connects, you have a greater understanding with the two of you. And that's a physicist point of view where the physicists have shown that your energies touch and connect to each other and create a bond when you are closer. The same thing with the idea that your hair creates a bond with the environment around you. We have to understand there is a nerve connected to every hair on your body. There is a muscle connected to every hair in the body, which also has a nerve of its own that's connected to your body. So there's two nerves right there just connected and doing things to the hair follicle. So the hair itself and the environment you have, I really, the, I grew up my hair a couple years ago. I guess it's been, it's been a lot, more than a couple years, like three or four years now. But I let it start growing out, and I really have noticed a difference. I see things differently now than I ever have in my entire life. Well, at least since high school. That was the last time I had long hair. That's crazy. And, and you know, it, it's interesting as well because the color of your hair is dependent upon a mineral in your body that most people are deficient on. It's called copper. So copper yep. 
literally exists within your hair. It's one of the most abundant elements in your hair. And what is copper? Copper. It's electrically conductive. Yep. Yeah, copper actually. They they say the first time you get your first white hair, uh, you are at fifty percent more likely to have a massive heart attack that day. When you start getting, as soon as you become copper deficient, that moment, you are fifty percent more likely to have a heart attack because the electrolysis in your heart, the copper helps regulate that electrolysis, that electrical field around your heart itself. And when you have a lower copper uh, content in your body, your body is not, your heart is not able to beat in the right way and become stressed and fatigued. And it's like a frequency effect. Like we talked about frequency modulation, bringing uh, clean energy into your building allows your your, uh, electronic devices to run more efficiently. The same way, when you have copper in your diet, your body is able to operate your heart more efficiently. And that is an absolute real thing. If there's one, there's two things like I've been telling everybody, and copper is one of them, but iodine and copper. But what are both of those? They're minerals. If we don't have our minerals right, and I don't care how many vitamin C and D's you stick in your face, if your minerals aren't right, you're not going to absorb and you're not going to uh, have what you need in your body. That's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the hair thing, I think this is really cool too because – you know, you get uh, someone comes in a room behind you, and what happens? The hairs on your back stand yeah. up. The hairs on your arm stand up. Uh, someone's yeah. telling a scary story. The hairs on your arm stand up. Why? Yeah. I mean, this is a, a primal instinct that is kind of embedded within us that we we fail to recognize what it really is. Is that we're, we're sensing the changes in the electrostatic field, the electromagnetic field that surrounds us. Yeah. So someone walks yep. in the door, their electric field just perpubated, perpubated the electrostatic field, and so that change is immediately signaled to you, and hence the mm-hmm. hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yep, and that's absolutely real. I mean, there was there's a lot of things that we ignore and we try not to see as something is real around us, but that it absolutely is true. Now, uh, real quick before we have to before the show ends, are we going to tell everybody about was it July second that Sunday right before Fourth of July? Are we going to be in New York, me and you? Yep, we will be in New York, and we're going to be doing an event um, on July second. Uh, location right. TBD. Um, time of the uh, of the event is TBD, but if you guys can jot that down on your calendar, July second, yeah. Jim and myself will be in uh, Rochester, New York. So we'll probably be in the Avon area, and we're gonna yeah. have a little get together, probably a meet and greet. I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna organize a July Fourth pledge, where we're gonna get everybody out there, and we're all gonna have a good old July Fourth uh, kind of uh, uh, bash and party, and maybe say the right. pledge of allegiance, listen to the Star Spangled Banner, and love our country. And have yeah. some uh, some discussions about the Constitution. Might have some other speakers come out there and and, and eat talk some to barbecue. Eat well, some barbecue. We, we have some watermelon. Well, I mean, we're going to do some cool we'll, stuff. We'll, we'll I mean, see hey. if that's going to happen. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. But we're still oh. in the planning phase, Jim. Oh, but, uh, are we? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm planning ahead, right? Maybe I'm like, maybe I'm saying like, you want to let's do it. You know, let's do some cool stuff. Like, uh, you know, we'll have a pie well, eating contest well, or. Sure. Wait, we'll no, see we what don't want to do that. Do, Jim. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but the, Am I having to buy a bunch of pies now? Is that what you're telling me? The detail, yeah, you're going to have to buy barbecue pies. Uh, <laughs> I'm volunteering but, uh, myself for all this. You, you absolutely are. So, Uh-oh. guys, if you can jot that down, July 2nd, uh, if you guys want to come out, we had a good one last year. It was just myself. We, we met at Mortalis Brewery in Avon. We had a good uh, turnout. I think 20, 30 people came out there. Um, said hi, nice meet and greet there. But this is going to be a little bit more 
um, I guess, integrated. It'll be me and Jim and there'll be a, quite a few people there. And then we're going to yeah. maybe have some other people come and hang out with us. And so Let's it'll do be it. a pretty cool event. It's before the Lake of Fire there at Canisius. So you don't have to worry about it interfering with those plans. And it's two days before July 4th. So it gives you something to do three days in advance before the big holiday. And right. uh, we can have some fun. So July 2nd, put that down on your calendar and more details to come. Make sure you guys are following the WYSL Facebook page as well right. as the Red Pill Projects Facebook page. So that's where the information will be posted. And uh, once the website is up, because I do have a website for it, we will get that information out there so everybody can start cool. putting the RSVP in there. So we can have I'm excited to meet me in New York. I mean, I yeah. just can't wait to meet that Jim Price guy. I'm and I and Josh, you know, I hear he's a really fabulous guy, so I can't wait to meet these two guys. It's gonna be fun. It's been good time. You got you got the dark <laughs> you got the dark queen Hulkle sitting there right now. Not if I have anything to say. Not about in it. my state you won't, my pretty. <laughs> she, she's got a dark cloak on, she's like clicking the nails on the table. I'm going to uh, get yeah. Josh and Jim. <laughs> oh, they'll be mine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. You guys have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you Monday. Take care. See you guys. Bye.